Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts that guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by sponsors like Johnsonville Foods, SwineWeb.com, Swine Robotics, Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hoghearth, and SwineTech, the award-winning creator of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how you can reduce piglet crushing and your overall pre-winning mortalities by nearly 25%, visit SwineTechnologies.com. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about maintaining a souse condition during lactation with Todd Heisterkamp of Crystal Springs. Welcome, Todd. Uh, good morning. Good morning. It's, uh, it's great to talk to you this morning. It's a warm morning, but it sounds like we're going to be getting a lot of snow, which I know impacts your life a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, travel has been limited anyway due to the, the pandemic, but you know, we're making the best of what we can do. So I'd love to kind of start off by talking about how you got involved with the pork industry. Yeah, well, I, I was uh, raised in Iowa, um, came from a, a farming family. My, my dad started farming and then um, struggled a little bit and got out of it. But um, my, both my grandparents and uncles uh, all farmed. So um, we, you know, I, I helped out on the farm, harvest, planting, walked beans in the summer, baled hay in the summer and, and did all those things. But really, uh, wasn't very interested in in participating in farming you know seeing the the 70s with the with the petroleum crisis and then the 80s with the farm crisis so i i had no intent of spending my career in in uh, in ag at all so i got into to um really business development first in in software and then um spent a long time working in office furniture um, with business development and even managed a factory in, um, for, a, for a very large office furniture manufacturing company. So then uh, probably almost 15 years ago, I had a friend that um, uh, was the sales manager for a, an equipment company that manufactured equipment for both um, pigs and poultry. And he would, he knew I was looking to kind of make a change. And so he invited me to come and help out. And so worked with them for, um, well, four or five years, almost five years. And then the opportunity came to work with Crystal Spring. Um, I joined their, their uh, uh, major distributor, Growmaster, for, um, here in the United States and became the general manager of, of, um, of that company. And then earlier this year, we reorganized and all came under the same house as, as Crystal Springs. So, so um, you know, I enjoyed, very much enjoyed pigs. Never thought that I would be back in the, the, um, the ag industry, but it's, it's been a great, it's been a great uh, career step for me. So really. Yeah, I'm sure you've learned a lot about pigs too over the last 15 years. Yeah, it's, it's totally different than, than, you know, we, you know, had, you know, my grandparents and uncles, you know, had pigs in the yard, you know, and had those big old round feeders that clanked all night long. And as, uh, yeah. as many of us uh, <laughs> uh, middle-aged guys re and, and gals remember how, how those things clanked all night long. But 
So oh, I even remember. I mean, that was the that was the sound you heard while you were going to bed. You laid your head down on the pillow and yep. at least for my yeah. grandparents, it ting 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 yeah. ting yeah, ting ting. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, you talk to people today, we look back. Maybe then we didn't think it was so cool because it didn't keep it kept us awake, but we all have fond memories of that sound today, you know. So but yeah, things have changed significantly from those small yard herds to, you know, now the now the the large barns we have today. So. so I'm excited to kind of dive into maintaining sow condition during lactation. I know it's something that you were very familiar with mm-hmm. and you wrote up a really good article too, that they hosted on swine web. I, I really want to first, you know, just talk about the problem of poor condition sows and lactation. What is it? And what is it? What is it costing the industry? Yeah. I think it basically is, you know, we're asking those sows uh, to do a lot um, and, and and maybe even a, do a lot more than than less. You know, as we said, back in back in the old times, you know, having having six, seven, eight um, uh, uh, piglets, you know, live um, birthed, uh, what, you know, was considered good and, you know, having a 16 PSY, 20 PSY was fantastic and, you know, pigs per sow per year. And now we're, we're asking these sows to do up over 30 to 35. And, and, and that's, it's really hard on her. You know, I mean, it, it's really, really hard for her to, to, to take on that stress on her body. And, and ultimately that's where um, keeping her conditioned and, and finding ways to keep her condition condition uh, during that lactation period where, where we're asking her to do so much and feed so many babies to keep that up. Um, so, um, and then ultimately, I mean, her health, if she's healthier, if she keeps her, her condition better than, then, you know, just better, stronger piglets and heavier piglets and just, just sets the whole production system out and all really on a good foot. So to kind of jump in and kind of call things out here for a moment, what are the bad habits that we have as an industry that contribute to this problem? Well, you know, again, I think, um, I think, you know, once we started uh, realizing that or making the major uh, key production index, the PSY, I think that's where uh, we demanded that before maybe the industry was was really ready for that and and again the the genetics companies and nutrition companies have have done a great job and uh, you know produ- producers have invested a lot of money in in improving genetics and in and improving um nutrition and and general health you know so I I think um I think where we come in from the equipment standpoint is is we've seen producers spend all this money in genetics and nutrition and in and in you know feed additives and and health general health and yet a lot of that may be lost out on the equipment side because we have not uh, looked at equipment to say hey what's what best equipment um, to support all this investment that we're doing on you know, on the science side per se. So. Yeah. And I think that's important too, right? When we look at genetics and nutrition, the, the, the sow that was having 16 PSY 20 years ago, it, it really isn't the same pig anymore. It's a completely different animal with a, with a different, different structure and, and, and um, an ability, but you're right. There is, 
there's an element of making sure that she's maintained during the, the farrowing process. And when we look at equipment, do you think that there's an element of, okay, yeah, these people are just trying to sell me equipment or equipment is sales and genetics is science. And so yeah, people have I, just... I think, yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. That's, a, that's exactly what it is. You're trying to sell me a piece of bent steel. And, yep. and, and so therefore I want least cost, you know, and, and, uh, you know, so that, so the drive is to, to put up the, the cheapest facility that the, or the lowest cost, I don't want to say cheapest, that's probably not the right word, but the lowest cost facility, um, in the barn and in the equipment. And, uh, and again, I think, I think more recently now, um, you know, companies are beginning to, to consider that um as part of the science behind it and so they're they're looking for more for more data the performance data that the equipment can provide you know um and and on the ventilation side you know i mean they're the ventilation that started there you know the the expectation of of ventilation um mechan or uh, uh computer controlled ventilation uh, you know they're they were kind of the first ones everybody looked at um, you know, trying to get the environment right. And then after that, um, they started looking down at, at other things. And, and you know, the, the interesting thing with Crystal Spring, going back to our, our very beginning, we did the research to prove the concepts, to prove the innovation, to make certain that there was an improvement in the performance, that what we were selling just wasn't another piece of bent steel um, as it relates to the feeders. And, um and so we've we've done research for almost forty years on you know on the vast array of our products. So you mentioned uh, some of them already when it comes to solutions that are are available. When you mentioned a little bit around around genetics and, and nutrition, but when we do look at maintaining the body condition of the sow, what are some of the things that people rely on today? And and it's just not enough. Like, what are those existing solutions that that really need to be expanded on? Yeah, I I think you know the the obvious one is is the feeder itself. I mean, so we've we're, we're given the the sow her her daily ration, and we want to make certain that that complete she com- consumes that um, complete ration that her uh, well, you know the the average daily feed intake is is within the parameters to to maintain that condition. And so I, I think the, the, the first place to look is, is right at that feeder. And, and what is that feeder doing? Is it, is it just a bucket where she's eating out of a bucket or is it something more, um, you know, more, more proven or, or maybe more, more science performance-based, you know, like, like a wet-dry feeder? Can you explain the difference between a dry and a wet-dry feeder? Yeah, so... So basically, uh, a wet dry feeder is where the the sow or even the pig. I mean, in in finishing too, we we see this where the pig has a choice. They can either eat dry feed, or they can mix it with water right at the feeder. So um, putting a nipple in, in the bowl or in the in the feed pan, and then the the pig can mix the the water and feed together to be able to uh, to intake or to consume it consume it better you know we show we show studies shows that a pig can eat wet dry feed 20 percent faster than they can on on just dry, eating dry feed 
And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. It's like eating your Cheerios in the morning. You know, <laughs> if you try to eat dry Cheerios, it takes a long time to eat them. But if you throw some milk on it, you know, it, you can eat them a lot faster. So it's that difference between, uh, you know, yeah, dried Cheerios and your, and your slop, right? Yeah, it's all sloppy, all mixed yeah. together, all thick. Yeah. and Yeah, um, it, it, kind of like what we did, you know, again, 40 years ago with the pigs yep. in the barn, you know, the yard. You know, we food scraps or whatever, we just slopped it out and they ate it, you know, and they were, and it was a really good way to grow a pig. So before we dive into some of the research behind this and, and some of the outcomes, do, do pigs have a preference? Do they, does, is it an individual thing or is it a group thing? Yeah, I, I think, I don't, I don't know of anybody, including us, that's ever, that's ever done a, a, a study on the preference. You know, what we do see from an objective side is, is particularly when the, when the, the pigs are just learning to eat from a wet dry feeder and, and more or less like in a nursery facility or even a first uh, a first uh, parity sow, if she hasn't been um, introduced to a wet dry feeder, she'll eat dry at first. And, and you'll, you'll see that. And, and particularly with our feeders, we have a feed shelf on them. And so you'll see the pig eating more off the feed shelf. Um, and then as, as they learn to mix the, the feed and, and make wet feed, their head starts going down. And, and then more often do you see their head down in the feed bowl or the feed trough and they're they're eating wet feed so i don't know if there's a uh, there's no not that i know of it would be interesting if somebody <laughs> would do some statistics on that but uh, do some research on it but uh um i i think in general they they want to try to eat because there's always you know there's always competition you know uh whether the sow's standing there she wants to try to get as much as she can because she's hungry because we're again we're expecting a burden of energy in, in nursing these pigs so you guys have done a series of trials, but more specifically a trial with fast genetics that focused on measuring differences in, in sow lactation based on feeder. Would you mind explaining the styling of that trial and, and how it was set up and then also kind of what you found? Yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, you know, fast, fast genetics did this this on their own because they were, they were curious about it. You know, there, there's been a lot of study done um, in lactation for wet dry feeders that, and, and, you know, there's some studies that show that, you know, you can improve 10 to 15% uh, feed, feed intake can be improved 10 to 15% um, over a dry feeder. And then there's other studies that, that show that, um, you know, there's more waste or, or it, it does, it impairs um, a feed intake because, you know, once we mix uh, water with feed, you know, spoilage begins to happen fairly quickly. And so then, then she won't, if, if that feed becomes spoiled, it gets too wet or there's too much feed that gets wet. She just doesn't eat it because it doesn't taste very good. And, and then, you know, uh, depending on the feeder that you have, um, you know, they, the farmer, um, uh, farm may have to clean the feeder regularly. And if that's not done regularly and fresh feed is given to her, then again, those, all those things impair, impair her feed intake. Um, what's interesting about, uh, well, let me take a, a half a step back. So Fast Genetics, you know, did a, did a study uh, on it. What's interesting about it is they, they took uh, the, the Crystal Spring um, lactation feeder, a wet dry, and, and did this, the test 
against the dry version of that same feeder. So the really the only difference between the two feeders is the nipple and the bowl and, and the nipple without a bowl. Both of them had feed shelf. Both of them had the same adjustment mechanism or, or flow control for the feed. The only difference is one had the, the nipple or the water source in the bowl and the other one had it outside the bowl or outside of the feeder and in the pen. So, so that was kind of an interesting thing. You know, the other studies may look at a wet dry feeder and a dry feeder, but they may be from two different manufacturers, two different designs, um, two different feed flow controls, you know, uh, two different, you know, water sources, that type of thing. So that's really what's interesting uh, what they did is, is so any variation in design of the, of the feeder itself, um, you know, was, was uniform between the two studies. Again, the only difference was where the nipple was located. Yeah. And I saw that it was on a 1200 head commercial farm. So it was, it was a real commercial study and it was a small enough farm yet big enough farm for it to be realistic yet manageable to ensure that the variables were accounted for and that you could really get a good side-by-side -side comparison. Yeah, that's right. There, uh, you know, 1200 head commercial farm, 327 sows um, in the study Half of them, almost half of them, 161 were on wet dry feeders and 166 were on the dry feeders. So, so um, you know, additionally, they did some nice things too, just to just to try to keep the you know um, uniformity between between the two between the two groups. Um, you know, they had similar parities. Um, they allowed cross fostering, so the two treatment groups could have you know maintain the same equal number of piglets per sow. And they also, of course, had feed monitoring and water mite meters, uh, so they could so they could see what was used and what or wasted. So, so when they did the uh, the measurement of uh, feed and water, was that is that those meters done on an individualized basis? Then, yes, yeah, from my understanding, that's correct. Yep, that's pretty neat. What what did you find in regards to results? Yeah, so um, they 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 came up or they found that there were things that were, were statistically significant and those things that were numerically uh, significant. So they, they published this in their, their company newsletter. Um, I believe it was in 2014. And um, so that's, that's where a lot of this, this data and this information came from. So, um, so what they found to be statistically significant was the feed usage per day feed wastage per day, feed intake per day, which is feed usage minus the feed wastage, water usage and uh, back fat loss uh, during the lactation time. So, um, the, so the, the results came out as it relates to feed usage is um, on a wet dry feeder, they had a higher feed usage of you know 1.4 uh, pounds um, per day. And um, feed usage was a little they found that was uh, a little higher on the wet dry feeder at 0.08 pounds per day, but the feed intake was uh, 1.32 pounds higher than on the wet dry feeder than on the dry feeder. So, and then lastly, what they found to be statistically significant, um, which which had a p value of uh, minus 0.05, and and I'm not a scientist, not a statistician, but but I think uh, at that low of a p-value, we can pretty feel pretty confident in the results. So, um, but back to their, their, their last statistical uh, significance was back fat loss uh, was higher amongst the sows that had the dry feeder, uh, that were on the dry feeder um, by 0.03 inches. 
So uh, again, the wet dry feeder, um, uh, you know, the, the sow ultimately didn't have as much back fat loss as on the dry feeder. So, so what things were, what indexes were found to be numerically different? Yeah. So numerically, numerically uh, different was the average litter weight at 21 days. So on the wet dry feeder, uh, the litter weight was 4.48 pounds higher, almost four and a half pounds higher than on the dry feeder. The average number of piglets weaned uh, was uh, 0.2 pigs higher than on the wet dry feeder than the dry feeder. And then the sow's weight loss. So the average weight loss uh, for the sows was uh, 2.57 or two and a half pounds higher on the dry feeder than on the weight, wet dry feeder. So I think, I think it's pretty interesting too, and kind of add here, because we are going through a Crystal Springs example of your two products that were compared against one another. Mm-hmm. When we look at this as a whole though, I think people really need to take it, take it seriously when considering wet versus wet dry, regardless of who they're going with. I mean, you guys have, have really shown some interesting, uh, interesting results. Yeah, a- absolutely. I, I think it's, um, it's definitely valuable to be able to consider it and to consider, uh, you know, wet dry versus dry, you know, because at the end of the day, as we talked earlier, it's, it's all about feed intake and, and resulting in maintaining that, that sow's conditioning, you know? So again, if we have, uh, you know, she maintains her weight and, and we have less weight loss, less back fat, you know, her, her body conditioning, uh, stays consistent during the time of lactation. And this all manifests in its, in its, the performance, you know, so heavier litter weights and more piglets weaned and, and just in generally a healthier, healthier piglet, which ultimately has a a huge um, impact on, on the rest of the production system. You know, once they're weaned, they have a better start. um, And, and throughout the the grow up period, you know, that we just have a better pig. So since this uh, report came out in 2014, how has the industry changed in its thought process around dry, wet, dry? Has it changed or is that still more of an uphill battle? Yeah, it's, it, there, it still requires a lot, a lot more conversation, you know, uh, I, and I think particularly now more and more companies are, 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 or producers are looking, um, looking at, at equipment now and primarily because, you know, we're at a at a thirty almost of almost forty years on a lot of these barns that have been in production and and so the the facilities and the equipment they're worn out you know they're we're, we know that we're going to have to have to replace uh, the the facilities and the equipment we know we're looking at that I mean the end of life is is just about there many cases it has been you know I've been in in South yeah. Barn here in the United States that have been held by held together by duct tape and, and bailing wire, you know, um, and, and, and part of the reason is just, is just, we, uh, you know, trying to do things at best cost. You know, we, 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 the great thing and the great claim about the United States producer is we, we produce the best cost pork for the world. And again, that that's because, uh, you know, um, of of the way we just managed the business over the 40 years. But I think again, coming back, you know, more and more producers are are looking at replacing their their facilities and their equipment and they're they're looking to say, hey, what what's more technified um for us? What 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 are things that'll help us, 
you know, maybe work smarter, not harder. Um, and, and I think results like this, you know, it's not uphill, it's just getting the information out. And that, I, again, thank you for having, having me today, because this is very, very helpful in helping us get that information out to the producers. Well, no, we really appreciate you having you on. And, and that is the whole point of the Popular Pig podcast. And regardless of, of, of what the topic is, if it can help producers be better, if it can help our industry be better, that is what we want to be talking about. And before we have you go, I'd, I'd love for you to share a golden nugget. What is Todd's golden nugget for the industry or for the audience, people listening? Yeah, um, I think the, audio, or the, the golden nugget is, is listen. It's listen to to the consumer, what the consumer is demanding. Listen to uh, like-minded people in the industry, and and ultimately uh, uh, listen and listen to our product. Listen to pigs. Uh, look at the look at the sow and understand. We're 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 asking her to do a lot, and if we listen and look that way, uh, and we can start looking at improvements to to make the whole system better. And, I, and again, we've, we've, we've listened a lot over the last 40 years, particularly in our company. And, and it's given us some, some great perspective and some great innovation. And ultimately, to, to, to do research like this or to help with research like this to help us listen, what's, what's actually happening? You know, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a piece of bent still. That feeder is not a piece of bent still. It's, it's something that, that can actually improve, improve the system. It can help the sow. So I don't know how golden that was, but uh. (laughs) I think it's very golden. Anytime that uh, somebody, somebody stands forward and says, we need to make sure we listen. It just reminds everybody how important that really is. And just taking the time to hear out what others have to say and and giving yourself that, that data. And we're in a big data world. And technically this is data. Anything that people are talking about is data. So we need to take it in, absorb it, think about it, and then figure out how it might apply to us. But we really appreciate it. And so thank you for joining the Popular Pig Podcast. And and we hope you have a a safe trip and and a great day. Yeah, thank you very much, Matt. It's been been great being with you today. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. Therefore, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com and subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. Today's episode is brought to you by sponsors like Swine Tech. Leverage the power of computer vision, voice recognition, and real-time behavioral monitoring to reduce mortalities and labor inefficiencies in the farrowing house. For more information, visit swinetechnologies.com.